0: Alright everybody, welcome into another episode of the Sean Show. We come to you on the Sunday following Coastal Carolina's 59-3 to victory over University of Louisiana Monroe. I'm Curtis, I'm joined by...
1: Josh. Mario. And Jordan. So, if this game wasn't really all that competitive, was it? No, not at all, not at all. But the main thing that we got to see, guys, we got to see more of the uh, players that don't really get a lot of playing time get to get in and play the game that they like to play. So... I got to see uh, a lot of the quarterbacks come in. All four got to play, and that's a really good sign. Yeah, about 100 different players
2: played yesterday. We got about one, two, three, four, about eight, nine running backs taking carries (laughs) yesterday. Some of these dudes, half of them aren't even on scholarship, but everybody eats, and with all the backups playing, they're still outscoring ULM. The starters didn't take a snap past halftime, so domination from first, second, third, and 52nd team as well so
0: all around yeah Yeah. it was a really really well-rounded performance all three phases of of the game were completely dominant over ULM it it ended pretty much after the first quarter (laughs) you know we were destroying them in all facets of the game and, and it again just wasn't even competitive
3: absolutely and overall I kind of enjoy, I'm going to be honest, I kind of enjoy watching us absolutely blow out these teams, and I enjoy coming back here on this podcast and talking about how these games weren't even closed and how we dominate them, because now we get to talk a lot about Coastal Carolina and these football players, and a lot of the players that haven't played a lot this season, and we get to give a little bit more knowledge to the to the people listening.
0: Yeah, it's it's a good jumping off point for us to, you know, we don't get to come in here and, and talk down about a team that lost or... You know, it's, it's really easy for us to come in and <laughs> make a podcast about a team that destroyed their opponents, dismantled them, you know, yeah. from start to finish.
2: Yeah, and a lot of these fan bases, you'll ask, are you nervous about the game on Saturday? Are you ready for the game on Saturday? We just get to sit back and relax, and we, we knew we were going to win this game by 50 points, and it's nice to just relax and watch other teams lose and not your team, and not even have to worry about your team losing, so something we haven't had to do this season at all really
1: no not at all and the best thing about it also is that we get to make sure that everybody gets to go out and do what they have to do and play shot clear football it's just that
0: simple we talked last week about how coastal established an offensive identity against umass and and the defense came through and, and looked like the black swarm again and you saw that again this week Um, The offense looked completely and totally unstoppable regardless of who was taking the snap, regardless of who was in the game. The defense looked back to their old selves. In the past two games, Coastal has outscored their opponents 112-9, to (laughs) so winning by just a little bit. It's good to see a team that has all the confidence in the world and is now using that confidence to its best abilities by dismantling opponents.
2: Yeah, and it, the offense has really taken its shape so far this season. And it looks like we're trying to do a lot more of running the ball off the options than really dropping back and passing. We run the ball about twice as much as we pass, and it's been working. Nobody's been able to stop it. And that's what we've seen the last two or three weeks now. So the offense is really kind of hitting its stride, and especially in their identity and what they want to be. So that's good to
3: see. Absolutely. And I mean, since you're talking about the running game, these past three weeks... If we look at those top three running backs of Coastal Carolina, if you go back to the Buffalo game with Shamari Jones, if you go back to last week against UMass... It was Reese White. And now this week, I truly believe that the most effective running back this week was Brayden Bennett.
2: Yeah, it's good to see that from all three different main running backs. Braden Bennett comes in and replaces CJ Marable. White and Shamari Jones both played last year with him. But yet, any of these three running backs can be the best running back on any given day. And Shamari Jones didn't even play yesterday, and I didn't even notice that until today. So that's <laughs> yeah. good to
1: know. Yeah. Also, also, for me, I just noticed that, the the rushing the, the rushing attempts and the yardage that each of the running backs had also along with our quarterbacks was 42 carries for 275 yards and three touchdowns so got to say a big kudos to the hog mollys up front the offensive yes, line for doing their job and for establishing their uh their dominance on the uh on the turf
0: yeah absolutely I mean that offensive line we were suspicious of you know just a little bit especially after that Buffalo game they looked like they got uh, out-muscled and, and out-physicaled, if you will. And in the next two games, again, not elite competition, but they've done exactly what you've asked of them. They have kept Grayson McCall and, again, all the quarterbacks that were back there clean. The running game looks unstoppable. And it, it shows you know progress, which is exactly what you're looking for out of a team like this, right? You're, you had these high expectations. You came into the season as a top 25 team. So you're expecting them to continue to grow and continue to climb and to earn that ranking, to earn, you know, the respect of a nation again, right? You were Cinderella last year, not so much this year. You're fighting a little bit of, I guess, pole exhaustion, if you will, right? People are kind of looking for the next good story, and it's not us anymore, right? So you've got to keep continuously growing and improving to make sure that you stay where you are um, and continue to go up.
2: Yeah, and that's one of the biggest things, not that, but earlier what you were talking about. After that Buffalo game, we were hard on the team and but we continue to talk about we are looking for the next two, three weeks to have a get-right games, and they've done exactly what we've asked them to. They've looked fantastic in the last two games, and we really want to continue that going into this week. But, yeah, they've looked exactly how we've wanted them to in the past couple weeks
0: after that tough Buffalo game. We really couldn't ask for any better performances. Yeah, not at all. And i I've worried about Jamie Chadwell's offense a little bit, right? When you have this new offense... Not necessarily new, but a new take on offense, right? Where it's this kind of spread, triple option, Oregon-esque type thing. And I, I was nervous that after last season, the FBS teams had seen it. They have film on it. They know what Grayson McCall's about. They know what this team is about. And they would be able to stop it. And they have not. <laughs> the, the offense looks like one of the best in the country, if not the best. It's just they continue to put up points at an astronomical
1: rate regardless of who's in the game. And just to carry out on what you're talking about, Curtis, uh, Coastal's actually averaging 48.2 points per game uh, on the season. So it's a really good thing to see that offense clicking. Uh, Jamie Chadwell and the offense, they have they have bought in on this, this, this offense that they're running, and it's just a beautiful thing to see when it's ran perfectly.
0: Yeah. And you know we talked a little bit earlier about how we were rolling out second and third and fifty second team like yeah. it was it was crazy, <laughs> but um, you know being at the game it was really it was really exciting to see on the sidelines when the freshmen would come in or when the sophomores would come in and they'd score a touchdown and they'd go to the sideline and you just have everybody was gathering around was going nuts was celebrating their success and it shows to me a really big buy in from everybody from the top down from the CJ Brewers and the the Gunters and the McCall's of the world down to you know the guys that either aren't on scholarship or near the end of the depth chart, right? Everybody buys in. Everybody wants success. Everybody cheers for everybody else's success. And you have a team culture established on like, hey, we are here, but we need to be better. We need to continue to grow. And those freshmen are showing, you know, freshmen and underclassmen, I should say, are showing that desire and that will to, hey, I'm in the game. I'm going to win this rep. I'm going to get us this touchdown. Yeah,
2: one thing I wanted to point out is how good Jamie Chadwell is of getting people in in garbage time and getting everyone a chance to play and show what they've been working on in practice. and being a walk-on is not easy. You don't get the scholarship. You still got to be at every practice, all that kind of stuff. And to get a guy like Zach Stevens in at quarterback, and he gets to go in and throw one pass, but for a touchdown, and then gets absolutely mauled on the sidelines by the entire team. That's got to feel super good for him. And I've been on teams before where the coaches didn't play guys in blowouts, Mm -hmm. and it really creates a hostile environment and jealousy among players. And that, that doesn't happen here. Everybody got to play, and just a ridiculous amount of people got to play.
0: Right, and and not only are they getting to play, they're getting to play, like, meaningful snaps, right? right? Mm-hmm. The game is not in question anymore after halftime, right? When Carpenter came in and, yeah. and you know, McCall was out. But your poll, the polling is. Well, that's true, yeah, right? So you still need to win. It's important. But, like, you're getting meaningful reps, right? You're not coming in to take the knee. No, you know what no, I'm saying? No. Like, you're not, we're not keeping McCall in there until two minutes left in the fourth quarter, and then, hey, Carpenter, go out there and take the knee for us. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. Yep. Like, that's that's an insult to those guys. Jamie Chadwell rolls through players early in games as soon as he knows that, that this team has it in the bag. Right, he, he gets his guys out there and gets them playing time, gets them meaningful playing time that's actually going to help them down the line.
1: And, it's, and it feels like you just feel like Jamie Chadwell is always looking for that next person. It just feels like he wants to be sure that all the players that are coming in in the second half of games, second quarter games. He's making sure that they're ready to play whenever that time is called. You just gotta like that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it kind of leads us into a discussion we wanted to have a little bit
0: of. You know, the NCAA has this new red shirt rule where you can play in four games and you continue to have your red shirt. And this was game number five for Coastal. This is the fourth game that has been a blowout. Or at least was over considerably early and you got to roll multiple teams in there. You got to roll in a, a second set of backups, right? And I wonder if we start to see less of that. I know the schedule coming up gets a little bit tougher. Um, a road trip to Arkansas State next week, you got to buy and then you have your Super Bowl if you will with uh, <laughs> Appalachian State. Yep. But I wonder if, if Chadwell's got to balance that a little bit. Right, absolutely. And I mean,
3: with this new redshirt implications and everything like that, now I mean, it's a lot of these red shirts are gonna have less. They're gonna have less actual playing time reps. So now Chad was gonna have to go into practice and kind of base his decisions off of that, and basically get his knowledge on what these players are like. But honestly, I think the time that they've gotten on this field, I think it has been very impressive. I am ex- very excited and optimistic about the future here at Coastal Carolina, especially long gone after like Grayson McCall ends up leaving, which is probably like a couple years from now. So I'm very optimistic. Oh, really, about anyways, okay. Right. <laughs> well, when he's only
2: playing one half, the scouts can't see as much. You know, maybe he stays. Exactly. In- yeah, there
3: you right. go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this man has played one full game yeah, in two right? games. Like, let's- <laughs> yeah, credit yeah.
0: to him. Yeah, he's played one one full game this half, entire season. Yeah, game. pretty much. Yeah, I say. Well, I think he was done after like the third quarter against Kansas. Yeah, exactly. So like, You're yeah, right. he's played one full game and then three half games and one yeah. three quarterback <laughs> dude has not played all that much and, and not needed to, right? Especially in, in Coastal's offense where again you're running this Oregon-esque triple option type thing. Your quarterback's gonna take some abuse. Grayson took a couple hits yesterday that were pretty hard. They they hit really hard. And you know, you saw Grayson on the on the turf for a little bit getting up, right? He always got back up, but You know, he comes out of the second half. He comes out for the second half with a boot on his left foot. Chadwell said after the game, nothing to worry about. If, you know, the game was in question, he would have played. Um, They took him out for precautionary reasons. The boot is for for precautionary reasons. They're going to take a look at him this week. And, you know, maybe it's a light week of practice, especially since it's a short week. Um, We play Arkansas State on Thursday Mm -hmm. uh, instead of your typical Saturday. So, yeah, it's it's nice to be able to, to, to roll out. Multiple teams and feel confident. We talked a lot last week about Bryce Carpenter and how when he comes into the game, none of us are worried. None of us, absolutely not. None none of us take a step back and go, "Where's the team going to go from here?" We know it's going to keep moving forward. You know, and then you bring in Jared guest and you bring in Stevens at the end of the game. Like I don't care who's lined up at quarterback for Coastal. I trust A that quarterback and B the team around him to be just as good as the first team. And keep things moving. Yeah,
2: and on that, we also have the second highest quarterback recruit ever on the sidelines as well. Ty Lyles, he's a freshman. He's, it's been said that he's redshirting this year, and all these other guys are getting experience around him. And we got we got a a young buck on the sidelines that's supposed to be very good as well. So. That it's very promising for the future.
3: Right. And maybe that was the plan, you know, with these new redshirt applications. Maybe that's the plan. Maybe he wants to get like all these other guys in and see what they're made yeah. of and then later on get Lyles in and
1: take a look at him as well. It's a good thing to have, it really is. It's 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 really bad when you have a quarterback that comes in after your starters out and he hasn't really played all this season because you know that he hasn't gotten the reps in. So it's really good to see that he's getting everybody involved and letting them get their playing time in so they can see what they can do throughout the season.
2: Yeah, and Carpenter is one of the guys I wanted to touch on. Bryce Carpenter, it's his fourth year here, so he technically still has one more year of eligibility left. And maybe Chadwell is doing him a service like, I'm going to let you play these reps. You're going to show out, show what you can do, and we can get you a starting job somewhere next year with your last year. So that's something I think that's
0: probably happening. Right. Right. So yeah. With paid. these new right with these new one time free transfer rules, why would you not try and do what's best for your athletes? Right. right. Throw Bryce Carpenter out there. Hopefully he stays. I love that dude. But like, hopefully he hangs around. And if not, hey, here's his game film. Here, you know, Kentucky. Look at this. Like, yeah, Western Kentucky. Look at this. You know, all these other teams. You can go. Hey, here's this kid. He's not our starter. He's looking to transfer, and you did what's best for the athlete, which is what a football program should always strive right. to do, is what's best for the athlete and what's, not, what's best for the program comes second. And this is kind of like what they did with Fred Payton
2: last year, and he actually got to start a whole game because McCall was hurt. He transferred now, and
3: now he's the starting quarterback for Mercer, and they're ranked in the FCS, and he's doing really well. Right, and then going back to uh, Carpenter, going back to him. Before Grayson got here, Carpenter was a full-time starter. He played full seasons. So... Not even looking at like this season or last season, there's still a lot of tape of Bryce Carpenter that a lot of teams can look at, and a lot of teams will be surprised on yeah. how good he really is.
0: And, and again, that makes us feel all the better should something happen to McCall. Again, right. we play this offense, like we said earlier, you're going to get beat up. There's going to be series where McCall just needs a breath and it needs to take a step back, and Carpenter can come in and do that for you with ease. So we want to kind of look a little bit more at the box score of this game. We've touched on how Coastal was just really dominant. You look at the box score, and, man, it shows up. Coastal finishes the game, all four quarterbacks combined, 21 of 24, 282 yards, four touchdowns. Beautiful. Absolutely incredible.
2: My favorite box stat score, real quick, not related, but 28 different players got a tackle yesterday for Coastal, 28. That's three full teams, practically, of guys getting tackled.
3: I'll say this: my favorite, and it's something that's been showing up throughout this whole season, is how great we are at third down conversions, and including fourth down conversions. Like look, this game, we didn't have a fourth down conversion; we went there like, for zero, zero. We didn't need one exactly, but third down conversions, we went nine for eleven, and then ULM went four for fifteen. So not only are we great offensively with those conversions, but defensively, we are, we are spectacular with that. Right, game.
0: we're great at continuing the drive, and we're great at sending the other team to the sideline and bringing out a punter, which. We blocked a bunch of those, so <laughs> that's. I mean, you know, yesterday you had a blocked punt for a touchdown. That's not a new thing for Coastal. No They've had a blocked punt in each of the last three games. Yep. Like that's that's crazy to think about, right? It it's is. It's almost like a guarantee at this point. Like this is
3: two weeks in a row. I feel. A three. We've had three a punt three
2: straight weeks. Special teams. I mean, when we load the box, we can tell before the play is like, oh yeah, this is getting blocked. No one's stopping our punt punt rush. Yeah.
0: And we would do it more if it wasn't like a disrespect sportsmanship thing. Right, right. But, yeah, when, when you've got offense, defense, and special teams clicking the way that, that Coastal does, it's hard to stop. Uh, looking at running backs, uh, Reese White led the charge. 15 carries, 95 yards, a 6.3-yard average. No touchdowns today. Uh, Bennett, 7 for 76, a 10-yard average, two touchdowns. He looked really, really good. There wasn't a whole lot. Of like standout performances in the rushing game, right? There's not one player you kind of look at and go, man, he had a really good game. But as a team, they were unstoppable 42 carries. 275 yards and three touchdowns combined.
2: Yes, C.J. Beasley's
0: a guy I wanted to shout out and give a little quick props to.
2: His touchdown run was about eight, nine yards. It was one of the most incredible touchdown runs I've ever seen. He bounces into a guy, throws him off of him, spins out, and then dives for the pylon. It was was incredible. It was awesome. And then the sideline was going crazy, so that was awesome to see.
3: Right, and shout out to receivers Chris Rowan and Jared Brown. They each had a touchdown as well coming in. And then Lance Boykin, he has the first turnover of the season. Finally, the cloak finally yep. got out
2: of its case. and
1: <laughs> right. Got to be put on on the sideline right. at home, too. The, five games. The eye test for me really was, uh, I'm going to say, shout out to Liam Gray. Because hey. Liam Gray, everybody's been on him the past couple weeks. It really started with the Buffalo game. and But this game, he actually played really well. He uh, had a 46-yard kick to end the half. And he went 5-for-5 five five on extra points. So Liam, continue to keep doing the things you're doing. And uh, we're, we're behind you all the way, man.
2: Yeah, Coach Chadwell, on that last drive, we get the ball back with, like, 50 seconds left. And instead of taking a knee or running the clock out, Chadwell made it a point to get Liam Gray in field goal range, but not great field goal range. We let the time run out so that we didn't run more plays. And he wanted to put him in that 40-plus yard range. They, we did that on purpose to get him a situation, and he was like, it's still a pressure situation. It's the end of the half time running out, so... Shout out to Coach Chadwell for setting up Liam Gray for that opportunity. And then, yeah, Liam Gray to convert that. That was awesome.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, this game was a game where we dominated in all phases. And it looked like Coastal was completely unstoppable, right? We proved that over and over and over again. ULM made some questionable decisions. (laughs) Just like... Yeah. Like, based off of the eye test, we'll get into the box score here in a second, but, like, ULM had two quarterbacks. They had... Peyton Manning Jr., <laughs> and they had RG3 Jr., <laughs> except none of them were that good. Wait, wait, but, like, I'm that's sorry.
3: the comparison that I can make. I got I to cut you off right there. It was RG3 the fourth, okay? Because the three.
1: <laughs> Let's just get that right. The fourth. RG3 Jr. <laughs>
0: oh, man. But, like, they, they brought in this Rodgers kid. He was their starter off the bench. He looked incapable of moving the ball and doing that. <laughs> but, no, like, here. shout out to the Coastal Carolina defense for making him look bad. But why when ULM brought in their pro-style passing quarterback who looked competitive, looked like he could move the ball, they take him right back out again? No, it made no sense at all. This is a this is a team that's their offensive coordinator is Rich Rodriguez of West Virginia and Michigan fame of Arizona infamy, right? No. <laughs> like, yeah. That was a bad team in Arizona that he had. Their head coach is Terry Bowden. Who is the son of Bobby Bowden, a legendary coach? You'd think this would be a team that would make competent yeah, coaching. They decisions. have the pedigree; it's there. Cool story with ULM that I want to mention real quick. Their defensive coordinator is 20 years old. Yeah, <laughs> yes, he is. He is younger son than of most of the kids that are playing on their defense. I believe he's like, the youngest
1: coach in, um, in FBS. I believe yes, so. Probably. Yeah, he really yeah. Is. yeah.
0: Like that's that's a cool story. Like I want to track that guy's future, but like you think that. With that kind of pedigree, this this coaching staff would
1: make better decisions. And yeah. They just didn't. Well, Curtis, just to, just to point that out. I mean, the quarterback play. I mean, let's let's not forget uh, their starting quarterback, really, uh, Red Rodriguez. Yeah, he was out of this game because he had um, he was in the ICU because from the last game that he played. So it really what I had said. What he had played better is really hard to say. The Black Swarm still would have contained them just like they did the other two. But I mean. They really weren't in, in sync with their starter not being there. No. You know, he was getting out of the hospital, so.
0: No, and, and good news, he's out of the hospital. He's yes. out of the ICU. Yes, yes. Uh, Wish all the be- best to uh, Rhett Rodriguez. Get yeah. better soon. But, uh, yeah, your backups aren't doing that great, but, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> or at least it didn't look good. I will give it that right, much. There's are not. Rogers for ULM had 100 yards passing, had 40 yards rushing. He was their leading rusher and passer. Uh, finishes the day with a 16.7 yeah, seven. quarterback rating. <laughs> just just bad. You know, we we talked earlier, or we mentioned earlier at least, that Coastal has won their last two games 112-6, to six, or to 9, excuse me. They haven't given up a touchdown since the fourth quarter against Buffalo. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's uber impressive, right? You're not getting a shutout. That stinks. You'd love to have back-to-back shutouts in there. But at least you're, you're limiting your opponent's chances. You're, you're not giving up touchdowns. You're no. you're you're limiting the chances that your opponents have to hurt you.
1: I believe, and like you said, it, it all went back to that Buffalo game, and we were wondering how they were gonna, how the defense was gonna look. Defense is looking really really good. I mean, let's just let's just call it how we see it. I mean, it, you don't you already brought up the stat. The stat proves it itself. Only nine points. I'll take that any any day of the week. I right? yeah. tell you. I will. Right, and I mean during like before this game actually, I had
3: a little bit of like optimism uh ULM. I didn't think they were <laughs> gonna beat us by no means. You know, I obviously knew we were gonna destroy them, but I had a little bit of optimism that they were gonna put like some points on the board. I mean they won twenty nine to sixteen against Troy. They had a very good defensive game against Jackson State, regardless it's yeah. Jackson State, but those are two back to back wins, so I thought they might have been picking up some momentum heading into Conway and it wasn't even like that.
2: Yeah, and that win against Jackson State's actually very impressive. They've got multiple four stars on that team. Absolutely. They have more star and recruiting talent than Coastal does actually. Yeah. Yeah. Deion Sanders is a coach, they go beat them. So this ULM team, they came in with a winning record. They beat Troy. They weren't they're not a great team, but we're still coming Favored by 34 points and win by 53. We're yeah. four and one against the spread this year, so we continue to do better than even any models or anything can project that we will do. So we keep doing our thing. Shots by 50 for the second, the second <laughs> sure. yeah, looks yeah. right? yeah, right? good. I like it. They get burgers again, actually.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So let's move a little bit to a national overview of what happened this past weekend, and more specifically, mainly because it's important for coastal. Cincinnati beats Notre Dame. And in all reality, Notre Dame, until a couple of late turnovers, weren't in that game. It was 17 to nothing with like five minutes left in the third quarter. Um, They made it interesting because of, again, a couple of late game turnovers that they turned into points. Coastal is in this fight for the number one group of five team and right now you're losing to cincinnati the silver lining <laughs> cincinnati we expect when the first playoff rankings come out about a month from now to still be undefeated they might be in the playoff yeah. line, which means the group of five auto bid falls to the second best group of five team in coastal so that's impressive but again you're disappointed that the notre dame can't pull that out for you Again, Coastal's not worried about what other teams are doing around the country. You do you. You win the, the games that are happening. You win the games that, that, that you know, you're forced to win. And you hope everything falls. Unfortunately, this domino never fell. Yeah,
2: and one thing I also wanted to mention, there was a third-ranked Group of Five team in the picture in Fresno State from the Mountain West. They were 18th and climbing pretty quickly. They almost beat Oregon. They've looked really good. But then they go and lose this weekend to Hawaii as big favorites so they're completely out of the rankings receiving no votes so again it's only a two-team race in the group of five and that's Coastal and Cincinnati
1: well another thing I want to point out too is that we're still seeing more you know losses in the top 25 so we potentially at here at Coastal we can still continue to keep moving up all we need to do is just focus on what we can Yes, sir. Everybody else, they, they got to do what they got to do. And if they lose and end up losing, then we're going to keep moving up. So let's just keep seeing what yeah, happens.
2: Yeah, the committee will look pretty stupid when there's a bunch of three and four lost teams ranked ahead of us. Right. I mean, what are you doing at that point? So we just need to keep
0: winning. Right, absolutely. And, you know, the the good thing about recording on Sunday is that we get updated AP polls. Uh, coastal jumps from 16 to 15. A <laughs> little bit disappointing there. Again, Again. you – beat your last two opponents by 50 points or more, you'd think you'd move up a little bit more. Arkansas, who got destroyed, dismantled, Mm -hmm. just blown off the field by Georgia, only falls to 13. That's a team that's still ranked ahead of us. Notre Dame lost that game to Cincinnati like we talked about earlier. They fall to 14. That's still ahead of us. And we get jumped by Michigan State and Oklahoma State. And Michigan State beats Western Kentucky
2: by 15, 16 points. Nothing impressive at all and they jump six spots somehow so I'm not sure what's up with that.
0: Yeah, and a team that is not really liked all that much in Conway, South Carolina is BYU mm. who is almost inexplicably <laughs> number 10 in the country. Like I get it, they've got a couple good wins, they're 5 and 0, right fine. That is a team that is the same exact team. Yeah. They they return like 18 of their their 22 starters. One of the starters they left, they lost, excuse me was Zach Wilson the number two overall pick. We beat that team last year, man. Right. Like, we we won that game, and you're going to put them five spots ahead of Coastal. You're going to have them continuously ranked ahead of Coastal. And you start to wonder if it has a lot to do with, like, name brand recognition at this point. Because I don't think... You know, we talked in our pregame meeting about, you know, the teams that are... The 14 teams ranked ahead of Coastal. There's a couple of them that we, you know, would worry about if Coastal played them. There's equally, if not more, teams that we feel confident in this Coastal team being competitive and winning that game, and BYU is one of those.
2: Yeah, and we're not coming from a place without stats either and just complete feeling. Coastal Carolina is averaging the most points scored in the FBS. They're allowing the sixth least points in the FBS, and we have the second highest
0: winning margin in the FBS. So we're topping all those categories. So. Right, and and we're just behind Georgia, right. a team that is so good on defense that their defense is averaging four points given up per yeah. year. Yeah, historic. Like, historic. historic. Like historic. Like you're is. talking one of the best defenses in college football. And history. right behind mm, them. Period. period. And we're right behind them in, in points differential. That's an insane stat, and it should garner more respect. Right. Again, we haven't played Clemson or Arkansas or whatever, but we have – played the teams that are on our schedule, and we've
1: dominated. Yeah, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. All we want is some respect, really. I told you, the team, this team feels disrespected. It's been like that. We got some respect a little bit last year. We moved up some mm-hmm. in the playoff rankings and when the AP poll came out last year. But this year, going back and forth from 15 to 16, Yeah. come on, guys. I mean, we're built for this.
3: Right, and we're not the sweethearts no more. And, you know, going back, like, going back, take a nice little flashback to that BYU game last year. Our defense did a great job against Mister New York Jets football, you know. So I mean, <laughs> hey, look, if we want to go back to a bowl game with these guys and do a little bit of a round two, then I mean, like, I think that's a pretty good well, idea. I'd be down with hey, that. We, yeah, hey, I really
0: would. Be. Yeah, come on back down here. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll play BYU. I mean, not just BYU. Coastal has always had the attitude of we'll play anyone, anywhere, yeah. anytime. Absolutely, Joe. right. Like, if Alabama's game next weekend gets canceled. And Coastal goes, Well, we just <laughs> played on Thursday, we'll play again on Saturday. Yes, I guarantee you they would do it. <laughs> like like this team is not scared of anybody.
1: We're all gonna get on a plane, man. What yeah. do you mean? We're oh, we're going down, go down to Tuscaloosa. Really. We're going down there. <laughs>
0: For real. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I'd love to see... You know, that's that's my one regret with Coastal schedule this season is, is I wish there was like a big name on it, right? Like Kansas is probably the biggest uh, name, if you will, on the schedule for a home game. So that kind of hurts, but... You still, you know, you, you got to win the games that are in front of you, and Coach Chadwell and the Chanticleers have proven that they're going to do that, and, and they're going to continue to do that. And they continue also to say that they are not worried in the slightest about anyone
2: else in the country besides no. us. So mm-hmm. that's a good mindset for them to have. Yeah, absolutely. That's so for us to worry about. Right, exactly.
0: Yeah. That's, that's for our little podcast and, you know the other members of the media around Coastal to worry about is like, hey, what's going on here? Coach Chavel doesn't care. You go out and you're 1-0 every week, that's a good week. Yeah. So we do want to bring up something that's going to hit close to home for, for our student listeners. As a podcast, we've noticed a couple of things regarding the student section and our home support of not just football, but of all sports. It's a little disappointing. Pretty rough, yeah. It's bad. So for those of you who don't know, the four of us are part of CSN, that's the Shawnee Clear Sports Network. We work with Coastal Athletics to do the broadcast of the games on ESPN+. And it's really hard for us to do the kinds of of fan shots that we want to do because there are none. Right. And we understand that that Coastal is a smaller school, is not going to have a full hundred and ten thousand cedar stadium like penn state does every week but at the end of the first quarter when the student section is empty and there's no more support for the football team that's out there that's rough and it's not good
1: no that's a problem guys we need to we need to do better at that we are we're we have a really good team we're six to 15th in the country yeah like, there's not a lot of opportunities for students to say that they go to a school that is ranked in the top 25 of, of the college football rankings. Yeah,
2: and this is one thing that I've been trying to explain to some people, is I think a lot of people don't realize how incredible it is that Coastal Carolina is ranked 15th in the country in football, and how difficult it was to break into the rankings for us with all this bias, preseason name bias that we talk about with these other schools. It is incredible that coastal Carolina is ranked right now in this current college football landscape and that's something that you should want to be a part of and come out and support.
3: Right and I'm not gonna lie in the past like I, I definitely have done that. you know there'd be times where like the first half's over and like and like my roommates like, all right, let's go back and then I end up going back. So I'm guilty of that. I'm not gonna lie. but after like actually starting to work these football games, starting to actually see how great we are and as great as we will become i do definitely want to stay to see what what else is left in store and not only that like i mean obviously we're crushing teams i understand why people want to leave but as the fans you guys got to make this a memorable experience every single
0: week i don't know that the students at coastal realize a the impact they have and b the potential change that could happen, right? Right. Like right now we've got a top 15 team, and I trust Jeremy Chadwell and Joe Moglia to keep that going, right? I fully expect that. And we've talked about this on the podcast. I grew up in central Pennsylvania. I'm a Penn State fan. I'm a coastal student, and now I'm a coastal fan more than I am a Penn State student. Or a Penn State fan, excuse me. However, recruits that visit Penn State walk away from a Penn State game and go, holy shit, We just played Villanova, and the student section was packed all game. I want to play in in front of these fans. I want to be here because they care, they are passionate, and they support regardless of what's happening.
1: Yeah, and it's it's what Josh was bringing up. I mean, Josh, you you talked about it earlier. You were talking about how you saw Texas A&M. Yeah. And you said the 12th man and how you saw each row of Kyle Field waving their flags We need that here at Coastal. We need to have that support. The players enjoy it. The coaches really need it because we want to be a type of team – we want to be a type of of atmosphere, fan base, that teams don't want to come in here and play. Yeah. So when you guys are leaving after the second quarter, going into the third quarter at halftime, that's not making us, you know, as good of a fan base as you think we are.
2: Yeah, last year we can only have 5,000 fans in the stadium – but the atmosphere kind of felt more electric last yes. year because it was 5,000 people that really wanted to be there, and they stayed the whole game. So when you have 5,000 people that sound like 20,000, that means we could have 20,000 sound like 40 or 50,000 and make this somewhere, I don't want to play at Brooks Stadium, and the recruits are like, I want to play
3: here. Right. And I want to go to like the first week, too, when we played Citadel. Before the game started, and they were playing the National Anthem. I'm I'm am 'cause I'm like right above I'm right above the student section. And I start hearing that whole student section start singing that national anthem. I'm like, this is so electric. We need that same electricity
0: during the game and even after. Every too. single week, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and this is really a call to action to students. We're not here to criticize, we're not here to, to, to just bash on, on what's happening. We want to bring awareness to it so that we can help bring change, right? That's what we want. We want this this podcast to help bring about the changes that we see is necessary and one of those is generating support that is more worried about coastal and cheering the team on and being loud and being proud and singing along to the songs we play yeah. in the stadium and you know chanting along to, to the when the band plays and and making signs to bring into the game and and that sort of thing rather than students that are more worried about getting to tav or coop as soon as possible right and i
2: guarantee you we could go out there and quiz a bunch of students right now nobody knows the fight song that we play after every touchdown, every field goal. No. And that's one of those cultural things at a school that recruits look for, and it builds that culture and togetherness of the fan base, and we do not have that here right now. And if we want to become as good of a football program as we can be,
0: we need that to help. Absolutely. We need that full buy-in from the student body, and that extends to all athletics. Yep. All athletics, I was going to bring
1: that up because I know you brought up Penn State and how you say volleyball sells out for volleyball games, women's volleyball. Guys, we need to not just be there for football, we need to be there for basketball, women's soccer, volleyball volleyball. You gotta gotta come out to every event and show your support and be loud and proud. We need that. Yeah,
2: I mean if you don't like the slow paced second half of our football game, come out to the volleyball game. Those girls are electric and that they're awesome. fun to watch. Yeah. We yeah, have a great volleyball team here, so and nobody hardly anybody comes out, so that something that we need to change and have that HTC Center packed for every event, have Brook Stadium packed for every event, and the Soccer Stadium packed yep. for everything. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. absolutely.
0: And, and it's <laughs> we talked about before the podcast about how when we do volleyball broadcasts, there are more people there working the game, if you will, than there are people in the stands, right? There's more people that are cheerleaders that are required to be there because they're cheerleaders. And there's more people running the broadcast and are statisticians and referees than there are fans. Like you take a look, we have a big catwalk where we put our our cameras that's up above everybody and you look down, empty seats. And it's, you know, we don't expect you to come to every game. We don't expect you to, you know, give up your life or give up your grades, you know, (laughs) to, to come and support the women's volleyball team. But if you have the time and you have the opportunity to do it, it's a good way to start a culture at Coastal that is similar to our big school counterparts like South Carolina, like Clemson, like Penn State, like Alabama. And if you can become the small school that is that, that has this passionate, fervent fan base, especially among the students, that stands out to, A, national broadcasters. You'll have a lot more games on ESPN. You'll be on national TV a lot more. College Game Day will come back. Absolutely will come back. Mm It also stands out to the recruits that are trying to decide between us and App State and, you know, Kentucky and North Carolina. If they come to a game and holy cow, this student section is loud, is raucous, stays regardless of what's happening. That means a lot to them. And it means a lot to the coaches and to the students that are playing, right? Like to have that support, the four of us are all former athletes. We all played in high school. When you don't have the backing of the people that are closest to you, it hurts. It makes you play less hard and care less, right? Like if, if the student section at a high school football game, is not full? Is it loud? Is it caring? I know I didn't feel that energy. Yeah. I didn't play as hard as I could have. Right. Yeah. And and it, it means a lot to our players that you're here and you're supporting. And so you know, we're, we're trying to generate that and, and give that atmosphere to the players that truly deserve it.
3: Right. And, and in my opinion, the most important thing that we haven't even talked about is just creating memories. I mean, let's be real. After college, you know, you're going to get into the real world. You're going to get real jobs. You know, you're going to end up having a lot of responsibilities. You're in college and college is a fun place to be in while you're in there. So... You go into all these games and saying like in so so many years down the future, hey, I was go, I went to this game where this happened, and I went to this game where this guy caught an amazing catch, or this girl ended up spiking on some girl and whatever and it just creates so many memories that you can cherish for the rest of your life right too. now
0: she's on the Olympic team exactly right. okay. that's what I'm saying I was here you know when yep. she she did this and now she's representing the I United States I witnessed
3: them before they were actually famous and, and at a
2: small school the fans are more of a part of the team than at a big school where they're just numbers it's being a part of something. All our arenas are close in. You get a great view of the game and really be a part of building something that we hope 20,
0: 30 years down the road, this is so much bigger than it is now. Right, and, and that's the thing that that really we want to hammer home is starting traditions today are traditions 30 years from now. Of right? If you get full buy-in from the student section that every home game – <laughs> or every home football game between the first and second quarter we demand to have you know Mr. Brightside played and the whole stadium sings 20 years from now they'll go man why are we still doing that? oh because it's been every game yeah. right it's mm-hmm. these students created this atmosphere where we could do these types of things and you know that's that's really what we're asking for is is for a little bit of effort from the student body of coastal carolina to help out and create these environments that these athletes deserve right and a
3: perfect example that's not even sports related that connects to this is the one of the biggest things at coastal carolina is fried chicken friday if a girl if somebody didn't tattoo that on themselves who goes to coastal we would never even have fried chicken friday so just doing the little things just doing stuff like supporting, just doing things that are so memorable and just being one huge fan base one 12th man that will definitely help
1: also, guys, you got plenty of time to go out later on that whole entire day. So, let's not even start with the, well, we got to get back and, and do all this and do yeah. all that. Um, come on, guys. Coastal
0: does not have very many 7.30 kickoffs. Come you on, can, guys. <laughs> Tav will be
1: open when you get there. I I'll promise. I promise. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Tav will still have plenty of natty light when you get oh, there. Oh, yeah.
2: yeah. Best time to get there is 11 o'clock anyways after yeah. the game. You guys are going to show up
1: fashionably late anyways. It's not like you're going to be there at 10 on a dot anyways. Exactly. So, come on. Now. Right. And the other thing
0: Coastal's got going for him, free tickets. Yeah. <laughs> come on. Right. Like, I spent a year as a Penn State student. My season ticket for football cost $250. Man, man. You had to pay first. Yeah, what you had to you? pay even as a man, student man. to get in. You had to pay? Yeah, you had to pay – and not only that, you had to like log on to the website at exactly 7 a.m. the day it went on sale because they would sell out in like four minutes. Right. If you didn't refresh at exactly 7 o'clock. And that's Coastal, conclusion. you don't have to fight yeah. that. You've got free tickets to everything. It doesn't cost you a damn dime. <laughs> Get in there sure. and go to the soccer game. Please. Go to the football game and stay for the football game. Please. Yeah. Right. Like it, it doesn't make any sense that... that these events that are put on have nobody at them, and I
3: find that very interesting. What you just said—the fact that you had to pay two hundred and fifty dollars to go to a Penn State game, and it is that packed with students paying—and we have free tickets, and we can't get our stadium that packed. Yeah. Come on, guys! Did yeah. you
0: did you think twice about buying that Penn State? Not for a hat? second, and, and I kind of thought that was a
3: great
2: deal. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: And it's you know it's things you know, like. You had to pay even as a student to go to a hockey game. You yeah. had to pay to go to a volleyball game. You don't have to do that at Coastal. You don't have any excuses to not be at the game and not be cheering as loud and as proud as you can for the shot to clear. So... But yeah, uh, I think that's where we leave it. I mean, I can't think of anything else. Everybody good? Yes, yeah, sure. right. right. cool. So for Josh, Mario, and Jordan, I'm Curtis. I'm going to go ahead and sign off on this episode of The Shant Show. Follow us at The Shant Show on Twitter, at Shant Show on Instagram. Send us in those questions. We'd love to put a segment in here where we're answering viewer-submitted questions. Um, We're going to start working on getting a YouTube video out to you as well. So that will be The Shot Show on YouTube. Uh, At the moment, it'll just be a static image uh, with the podcast audio playing. We hope to get cameras set up in the room and and get you a video podcast here shortly. Uh, But look out for new episodes coming out next week. We'll see you soon.